If you don't know, you better ask somebody. And I so believe if you are here today, there's been a moment. There's been a situation in the midst of your life and the struggles where you have realized that he's the greatest of them all. Mama them couldn't get you out of that situation. Daddy them couldn't help you out. And your boo and your besties was all gone. But, but Jesus showed up one day when you was down and out. Beat up and messed up. And he demonstrated that he is the greatest, the greatest of them all. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And to our choir for leading us in worship this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning to each and every one of you on this uh, resurre resurrection worship service at the church gathered at Forest Baptist. It's so good to be with you to all of our guests. Uh, we welcome and thank you for worshiping with us this morning. You could have worshiped anywhere, but I'm grateful to the Lord that you have uh, chosen to worship with us this morning. My name is Nathaniel Bishop Jr. I have the tremendous privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Forest Baptist Church alongside our uh, pastor of discipleship, Pastor Jimmy Buss, and alongside our pastor of Christian education, Pastor Kevin Jones. Again, we welcome you this, this morning. And to all of the Forest family, it's good to see us smiling faces once again. Amen? Amen. He is risen. I ain't y'all sleeping. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But if you would, please grab your copies of God's word and turn with me to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. For those of you who were with us during Sunday school, we were able to begin. Uh, we gave you an appetizer. To warm up on this passage of scripture and we will continue to look at and look into the truths of the Lord as he has given this word for today. First Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Beginning with the 12th verse. And if you would, please stand out of honor reading of God's word. And to all of our guests. This is something that the Lord has revealed to us before. Just letting you know we are a, a, a local body of Christ who uh, we do not walk alongside the word of God. Nor do we stand on top of the word of God. But we are people who live under the authority of the word of God. We believe all of the truths that God has given to us through his word. And we believe that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness through and by his word. So when we are reading God's word, 
We like to say that this is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, beginning with the 12th verse. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is in vain. We are even found to be mis misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life, only we are of all people most to be pitied. Verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order, Christ, the first fruits then, at his coming those who belong to Christ, then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. I'd just like to place a tag upon the text this morning. Aren't you glad that he got up? Aren't you glad that he got up? Let us look to the Lord in prayer this morning. Pray with me in your hearts. Gracious and eternal Father, how good and how awesome, how wonderful you are. Father, there's no question, there's no doubt that you are the greatest of them all. For your word declares that at your name, Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Father, we just stop by to say thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you have done in our lives, dear God. Truly, if you haven't did, done, if you don't do anything else for us, you, you have already done enough in sending Jesus Christ to die upon Calvary's cross for our sins. It was our sin who placed him there. But Lord, we are so grateful that early one Sunday morning you got up with all power and authority and victory in your hands. And you stand now interceding on the behalf of your beloved, your children, right now. So, Father, I ask right now that you would pour out and send forth your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive your word. Father, give us that moment, that moment of clarity in someone's life, that moment where they can hear the gospel, that, that, that one chance that they may have, dear God, to be rescued from damnation and hell. Father, have mercy upon all of us today that we will not just 
be excited about showing off our Sunday best, but we will be excited about showing off the greatest of all time, Jesus Christ. And Father, I beg that you would give me clarity of thought, conviction of heart. May you please take my foolish and simple words and bring maximum glory unto thyself. Please speak, O oh God, for your servants are listening. These things we ask in the precious and mighty name of Jesus the Christ, we do pray. Amen. 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 You know, life is full of what ifs. And if you're like anything like me, there, there are times in your life where you're reflecting upon your past and you have that, I wonder what if. And I'm not talking about moments of regret, like, oh, I shouldn't have did that. But, but there's times in our lives where we just stop and reflect, what if this and what if that? There's times in my life where I see my family, they're playing, and I see my beautiful wife walk in, and I say, man, what if I had to miss that? <laughs> Boy, my good thing. I'll be broke down somewhere. What if I didn't see her on the dance floor that day? Yeah, that's right. Pastor Bishop met Lady Bishop at the club. Now, I wouldn't recommend that. The Lord just kind of worked it out. But, but what if I, I didn't see her that day looking all good? What if I had not yielded to the Lord's call to submit myself to theological education and to come to, for, come to Kentucky not knowing anything about Forest Baptist Church. Oh, what blessing I would have missed to be with you. What if? You got a whole bunch of what ifs right now. Your what ifs can be as simple as, uh, what if I had not hit that shot? Would they have not put me on their shoulders? Uh, what if Louisville women would have hit that shot before the buzzer? It would have been a different story. Light what ifs, but sometimes there's deep what ifs. I'm often wonder what if um, Jim Crow had never reversed the gains for African Americans during Reconstruction. What type of government would we really have? What if the Adam Bomb had never went off. There, there's many questions we can ask about what if and wonder what would have happened, what could have been, should have been. But beloved, in the text before us, the Apostle Paul begins to address the most significant what if in history. He begins to deal with what if Jesus had not got up. For we know that everything hinges upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, the fact that we got up today on April the 1st, 2018 is representative of the fact that our calendars are based upon the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What if he had not got up? What would our lives look like? What hope would we have for tomorrow? If Jesus had not got up, the Apostle Paul begins to deal with this question in terms of a larger question in this church. 
In this particular church, there, uh, the Corinthian church, they're steeped in Greek culture who do not believe in a bodily resurrection. They believe that the soul, there is an afterlife, but they do not believe that the body is actually raised from the grave for an eternity. And steep within that context, Paul begins to dissect and to correct their theological inconsistencies to help them understand Jesus Christ all the more better. If there is no resurrection, then Christ did not get up. They're clarifying for that. So in doing so, in this text, the Apostle Paul, he shines a light brightly upon the significance and the implications of the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. And the thrust of this passage is primarily in two points. Uh, the two points are without the resurrection, it's all bad news. But with the resurrection, it's all good news. See here in verses 12 through 19, we see that without the resurrection, it's all bad news. There's a domino effect. If, if, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ did not get up. And if Christ did not get up, a whole bunch of mess is still at our feet. And he lays out a few things in summary. He, he lays out the firstly that if Christ did not get up, then our preaching is powerless. Our preaching is powerless. Paul, the, the apostle, has been preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the message of the gospel has been spreading and it has been convicting, it has been transforming people. But if Christ did not get up, there is no power in their preaching. They're just merely preaching good works and uh, your, uh, good, good uh, self-help type of messages. Your best life now type message. There is no power in the preaching because what we know is that preaching Christ Jesus is what transforms a person. See, when you're just trying to help somebody look better on the outside, you can say things like, oh, you need to wash your face and uh, you need to do your hair. But what can you do for an old, wicked, sinful heart? There's not enough soap. There's not enough dawn. There's not enough detergent to, to purify and cleanse your old wicked heart. And if Christ did not get up, then all of our preaching is powerless. It means nothing. It's gibberish. Romans 1.16 says there, the, the power is in the message of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. So without the preaching of the gospel, without the, the content, without the battery to, to make it function and go, then our preaching is powerless. I used to always use the illustration of, to young uh, to students when I would teach them. I would talk about the power of the word of God. Hand them the Bible, but then I would also hand them a flashlight. And I would say, turn that flashlight on. And as they would go to turn it on, it would not cut on because I had taken out the batteries. See, that, that flashlight was useless to do what it was created to do because it had no power. And Paul is saying that without Jesus Christ's resurrection from the grave, there is no power in what he's been created to do. No one's going to change because you have a slick word, a nice word. Oh, beloved, how much powerless preaching do we have these days? Preaching that's only the, good enough to tickle your toes and to make, we, uh, make us feel good about ourselves. 
Some of the preaching that we hear is all about how I can have a better life now, how I can have wealth, health, and prosperity. But what is wealth, health, and prosperity going to do for you in eternity? Oh, Lord, have mercy for the powerless preaching that we hear, preaching that does not convict the heart of sin, that does not transform a person from the inside out, the, the type of preaching that leaves us dead in our sin. Paul says if Jesus didn't get up, then our preaching is powerless. But then he also says if Jesus did not get up from the grave, then our faith is frivolous. It means nothing. The, the church he had come to had had began exercising their faith and they have been experiencing the growing pains of doing life together. You know, it's hard living with other Christians, you know. It's kind of tough being in community and they were, they, were, they were struggling, but yet they were still showing up because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Without their faith, it was worthless for them to show up. Without your faith, it's worthless for you even to be here to waste your time. You could have got, got a good spot in line if you had not shown up today. But faith is what drives us. Faith in Jesus Christ is what brings us. It's our faith. But understand, beloved, it's not just a faith to have faith. Because faith is only as strong as the object of the faith. Paul is saying that if Jesus didn't get up, then Jesus really ain't that strong. So your faith doesn't mean anything. You can just have as much faith as, uh, in the car going down the street. You, 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 you can have faith that that bus ain't going to hit you when you walk out into the middle of the street. And you can truly believe it. But, uh, but if that driver don't see you, you're going to get ran over. So the object of your faith is what really matters. And, and Paul is saying without the resurrection, then your faith doesn't matter. You are wasting your time. But not only that, not, not only your faith. Saints, think about the Old Testament saints. Abraham's faith don't mean nothing. Isaac's faith and Jacob's faith would mean nothing. Noah's faith and Moses' faith, David's faith. None of the old patriarchs will be in glory, they would have perished for their weak faith. If Jesus did not rise from the grave, then you just might as well tear out Hebrews, the 11th chapter, because it's all about how faith causes you to believe and, yeah, and how your faith uh, causes you to believe and then to work on his behalf. But without faith in the resurrection, there is no power. As Paul says there, Without Jesus getting up from the grave, their preaching is powerless, their faith is frivolous, but, but most importantly, their, their sin is still sovereign over their lives. Look here in verse 17. And if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Paul says if there is no resurrection from the grave, then you are still under condemnation from God. If there's no resurrection from the grave, then we are just dead men walking. We're just objects just moving through life. Ephesians 2 and 1 tells us, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin. You're just dead men apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And not only that, not only does our, our sin still have us in bondage, 
Our sin tells us what to do. Not only that, Paul says if, if Christ did not rise from the grave, then we are to be the most pitied. Oh, we are pitiful people. We are pitiful people to believe that God actually sent his only begotten son. That he lived a sinless life. That he died the death that we deserve and he lived the life that we could not live. Oh, we are to be pitied. Uh, people should come in and look at us like, I feel bad for y'all. Y'all are really wasting y'all time. If Christ did not come, then we should just go hang out, get drunk, and do whatever we want to do for the rest of our lives because we're accountable to no one. See, without the resurrection, it's all bad news. See, without the resurrection, the whole gospel is null and void. You just rip it up because the gospel is based upon two facts. That a savior lived and he died. Without the resurrection, followers of Jesus Christ are doomed in this life and damned for eternity. There's no hope for today and there's hell for you tomorrow. If Jesus Christ did not get up from the grave. See, without the resurrection, then Jesus is just some good dude. Who lived this life. Performing miracles and just helping people out. If, if Jesus Christ did not get up from the grave. Then over in Jerusalem. There is a decomposed corpse. Of an itinerant Jewish carpet turned rabbi preacher. If Jesus did not get up from the grave. Then he's no more important than any other religious figure. Without the resurrection, Jesus is just like Confucius, still dead. Without the resurrection, Jesus is just like Muhammad, still in the grave. Without the resurrection, Jesus is just like Joseph Smith, dead, not able to help anyone right now. Useless is the life of Christ Jesus. See, but one of the most important things we have to point out is that without the resurrection, you still have a sin debt to pay. There is a sin debt that needs to be paid by you and by me. See, I, I don't know how you roll. You may be used to having folks pay your way. You, you may be used to calling up on the phone asking grandma, can I hold 20 grandma just for today? I mean, you may be used to living off of somebody else's dime. I ain't talking about nobody here. But them folks out there, sometimes they, you get used to living off of somebody else's charity. And you begin to take advantage of, well, can you pay my bills for me? Well, my, you know, my light bill is off. Well, well, and, and my phone is cut off and, and, and my cable is cut off. And I, I can't pay my car, car, car note this month and my, my mortgage is due. And, and we begin to live off of everyone else. And, and all of a sudden, you can find yourself living good because everybody else is paying your bills. But, beloved, you can't rely upon grandma to pay your sin debt. You can't rely upon anyone else to pay your sin debt because on the day of judgment, when you stand before God and, and the question is asked, what did you do with my, my son? 
you're going to have to give an account for yourself. You can't point to what mama and them did and what, what, what my friends and them did. Uh, oh, I, I knew a Christian on the job. He's going to say, but what did you do with my son? See, without the resurrection, it's bad news because we were born in sin, shaped by iniquity. Without the resurrection, it's all bad news. But, but verse 20, verses 20 through 26, we, we see that but with the resurrection, it is all good news. Verse 20, look at your text. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So though it, there, there's a, an interest to the question of what if Jesus had not get up. Get up. Paul points us to the fact that he has given us a gospel that, that needs and is built upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In verse 3 of the same chapter, Paul lays it out for us. This is the gospel. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried. Jesus actually died. He didn't faint on the cross. He, he, he didn't fall into a coma on the cross. He wasn't just tired and took a long nap on the cross. But he was buried in that borrowed man's tomb. He died. That's what makes it so fantastic when he, we see the next, uh, the, 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 the next word. Where he says that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. But then what Paul does is he, he gives the eyewitness accounts. And that he appeared to Cephas. Then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. See, that's important. Right now, he said, I ain't lying. Go ask Ray Ray and them. They was there. They seen it themselves. Verifiable facts. So the question is not if Jesus rose from the grave. The question really is what you're going to do with it. So what we see, though, that Paul is laying out this argument that the resurrection marks a new beginning of a new creation. See, when Jesus got up, he, he inaugurated a new world order, a new system. This is signified by the fact that he talks about Jesus being the first fruits. Walk with me in the text. He said he is raised from the dead, the first fruits. Any good Jew. We know from the Old Testament that this is old, this is Old Testament vocabulary. The first fruits. And the way we understand first fruits is giving God our, our first and our best, that which is flawless. But when, 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 a, when a Jew 
would hear this, they will understand that in the agricultural society they lived in, they would take their first fruits of the land that they re the, the stuff that came up first that was beautiful, that was nice, and they would take it to the temple as an act of sacrifice. And what the first fruit offering demonstrated was, Lord, here's the, I, I'm, I'm offering everything to you, but here's just a portion, uh, the first fruits of what's to come, and I'm going to give that to you right now, knowing that more is on the way. This, this sheaf is, this is part of the harvest, but more is coming. And as it comes, I'm going to continue to give it to you. So this, this metaphor derived from the Old Testament, it shows us that Jesus is a pledge. He is the first installment of a whole. Jesus is connected to a larger group. So when Paul says that Jesus is the first fruits, what he's saying is those who trust in Jesus will come along the same way Jesus did too. So this means hope for us that if Jesus was uh, rose from the grave, then those who have repented and trusted in him will rise from the grave as well. And that is our hope. We are connected to what he has already accomplished. This is a new world order. This is the start of the redemption of all things. See, because Jesus got up in verses 21 through 22, we have a new pattern in life. A new pattern. Because he begins to talk about Adam. He says, in Adam we all die. See, if you didn't know, in Genesis it gives an account of Adam and Eve. And Adam, he's the representative for all of mankind. And as Adam is the one who disobeyed God, he did, uh, God didn't point out to Eve that, that, I'm gonna, uh, that, that you have responsibility. He points out to Adam, you have responsibility and you have Drop the ball, and now you are in sin. Now everyone else who follows after Adam will be born in sin. Adam is the representative of death. See, beloved, there's, there's a reason why our default is sin. There's a reason why your default is selfishness. Oh, let you not get your way. Let somebody tell you no a couple times. Let you get licked over for a raise or passed over. Uh, all hell is going to break loose. Because sin is, is part of our DNA and who we are. And for those who, who, who continue to live for themselves, those who could care less about God, those who only worry about what they're going to do tonight, they only worry about their next fix, their, their next high, their, their next come up, their next scam. Only those, those are, are doomed to hell because... They are still in Adam. But because of the resurrection, we have a new pattern to live after. In Adam, all die, but in Christ, all are made alive. Jesus is the representative of life. So now we have the opportunity for life eternal. But even on top of this, this new pattern that we don't have to follow the default anymore. You ain't got to sin because everybody is sinning. You ain't got to talk like they talk and walk like they walk. Because the death, burial, and resurrection 
sets people free. So now we have the opportunity to create new patterns of holiness. What Jesus is telling us is you ain't got to be like your mom and daddy. You ain't got to be like grandma and them if they didn't love Jesus. See, what Paul is saying that really there, there ain't no such thing as just a generational curse. But there's a such thing as generational disobedience. And, and, and there's a such thing as because that's the way you've seen it done, you won't keep doing it that same way. So Paul is saying you ain't got to keep living like they used to live. You ain't got to keep talking how they used to talk. Because I, I've come that you may have life, life more abundantly. You can, you can turn around and be transformed. You can be the person in your family that makes things right. You can be the one that they begin to talk to and asking you to pray, pray with them. You ain't got to act like everybody else. Jesus gives us a new pattern in life. But Paul explains not only, do, not only do we have a new pattern of life, because Jesus got up, we have a new prioritization of life. Look here. Verse 23. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule. And every authority and power. Because Jesus got up. Jesus is Lord. Every competing, corrupted, perverted dominion will be crushed by Jesus. Everyone and everything who is standing up against Jesus right now will be crushed, will be defeated. Everything that it sets itself against the things of Christ Jesus, Satan and his minions will be crushed. This world system will be defeated. And those in Christ will be raised to walk in the newness of life on streets of gold with Jesus Christ ushering us in. Paul is saying there's no one who can stand up to Jesus. But beloved... If, we, if, we, if we're going to just real talk, if we're going to be 100, there's so many of us in here, we want to stand up against Jesus as if we have enough power to defeat him. Ah, uh, you know, Christianity, uh, you know, it ain't, it ain't all that. Yo, you, you guys too serious. You know, I just want to have a little fun with my life. You know, I, I you know them Christians hypocrites anyway. But what will Jesus say to you? Anyone and anything in opposition to Jesus Christ will be defeated. So much so, even our worst enemy, even our most powerful enemy, death will be defeated by Christ Jesus. Turn with me in your Bibles right quick to Revelation, the 20th chapter. Beloved, this is, this, this is how the story goes. Whose side are you on? Revelation, the, it's at the end of your Bibles in the New Testament. Revelation, the 20th chapter, beginning with verse 11. 
And the text of scripture tells us, the apostle John, he's a witness. He says, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. That's Jesus. From his presence, the earth and sky fled away. The whole earth said, I, I don't want none of this. I can't touch this. And no place was found for them. Verse 12, and I saw the dead, great and small. You know, you know what I mean, great and the small? It's about kings and queens. Presidents and vice presidents. Billionaires and trillionaires. But he says the small, the broke, the downtrodden, the least of these. He said there's every type of person here. Standing before the throne. And books were open. Oh, Lord, they got books. They got pens in heaven. They got books in heaven. Then another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books. Watch this according to what they had done. Oh, beloved, you know you're going to be judged by everything that you've done. The Bible says you're going to be judged by everything you've done and everything you said. Oh, man, we hit everything we've done and everything we said. And then verse 13, he says, and the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. Those who those are the ones who have died before Christ's return. He says, and, and, and they were judged, too. Each one of them. According to what they had done. Then verse 14, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. You think this is a game? You think we just want to show up every Sunday just to say, look at me. Let's have a shouting good time. When hell is at stake. Folks are dying left and right. With a sin debt that still needs to be paid. And those who aren't in Christ will spend an eternity in hell trying to pay a debt that can never be paid. See if if Jesus is going to destroy death, what is he going to do with you? See, Paul is declaring that Jesus is Lord. We don't just say that because it's a catchy phrase. That to say that Jesus is Lord, that means he is, he, he, he is the sovereign over all of creation. And he has authority over both you and over me. You know, you think you're scared when you was growing up and you had chores to do and mom and them pull up in the driveway. You know, you had, you know, you had them chores. You had all day to do them chores. And all of a sudden, you're going to act like you could clean up the whole house in, in 12.5 seconds. That's, that's the distance from the car to the door. You, all of a sudden, you want to start getting you, mama home and all of a sudden you want to get busy. Oh. 
You trying to get busy. Oh, beloved, when Jesus comes back with all power in his hand, ain't no one around trying to get things in order at that time because it's too late. The text is telling us, get your life in order right now before Jesus come back. Because if you did your choice before mama got home, you could have kicked up. You could have welcomed her through the door and you wouldn't be running around. But when the, when the saints see Christ Jesus, when the trumpet sounds and, and the shouts of glory come down, I ain't going to be scared. I'm going to say glory. Hallelujah. Today is the day I see my Savior face to face. No more drama. No more cancer. No more issues. No more mess. No more death. It's been defeated. Jesus is Lord. And when he comes back, he's coming for his people. He's coming for his family. So there's a new prioritization in life. The resurrection is a restoration of the way things were intended to be. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was God's validation, God's vindication, and God's authentication of the work and person of Jesus Christ. See, we if Jesus didn't get up, then that means he's a liar. Because in a text, he says, destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll raise it up. In the text, he says, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. And in the text of scripture, Jesus told them, ah, you, you waiting on the resurrection. But let me tell you, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is vindicated in the resurrection from the grave. See, but beloved, at the end of the day, understand this, understand this. The resurrection of Jesus is bigger than you and me. This is about God's glory. And in the resurrection from the grave, the present evil age is being invaded by the age to come. The time of restoration. See, without the, without the resurrection, there is no restoration to your house. You can't get your life in order. The age of return and renewal and forgiveness. See, the resurrection of Jesus is bigger than us. But yet the, res the resurrection of Jesus says things are going to be okay. The resurrection of Jesus says, this ain't it. The resurrection of Jesus says, though you may be going through Good Friday in your life right now. Though the issues of life may be stacking up on you right now. Though you can't make a way out of no way. Though, though all of the chaos is surrounding you right now in your life. And you feel like you're the one being crucified. And you feel like you're the one who is dying. And this is hell on earth. And, and though you may have a life full of Good Friday tragedy. The resurrection says Sunday's coming. Oh, yeah. 
You may be going through something right now, but because Jesus got up, we get up. And though we may have to deal with it for a moment, Paul says these momentary afflictions, these momentary trials, this momentary pain and a momentary sadness. And though Good Friday has been on my back all week, I, when I look to Jesus and I look to the resurrection, I know that there's a Sunday coming. And beloved, there's a Sunday coming for you. When you have repented of your sin and trusted in Jesus Christ, he will set you free. And allow you to rise out of dead and dark places. See, with the resurrection, it's all good news. What we need to see from this text, the resurrection reveals our desperate need for Jesus. See, the good news is that Jesus got up. And we have a Savior who lives. And because he lives, he's able to intercede on our behalf. See, but the bad news is that some of you are here living like Jesus never got up. You are still in your trespasses and sins. You choose that blunt over Jesus. You choose that date, that guy, that girl over Christ Jesus. You would rather have money in your pocket than gold in heaven waiting on you. And you're still living for yourself. You're still disobedient. You're not making mistakes. You can't say my bad to God. You are living in uh, uh, obstinance. You are in disobedience to the will of God. You're living under your own authority. Can't nobody tell me what to do. You're still under the condemnation. There's a penalty coming. A debt that has to be paid. You may be here today and you're relying upon your baptism when you was five, six, seven years old and not Jesus. May we never rely upon outward works. May we always rely upon our love for Jesus today. So what if? So what if you leave today not trusting in Jesus Christ? What if you're able to live a relatively simple life and drama-free life? So what if you, you get a good job and you, you marry a good spouse and have wonderful kids, but you don't know Jesus? So what if you go through all of life never turning from yourself and living for the one who has died for you? On the day that you die, you will stand before the judge. And the judge will give a verdict based upon what you have done. So what if you're standing there? Will God accept you? But what if you trusted in Jesus today? What if you're broken by your own sinfulness? What if you turn from living for yourself and, and trust in Jesus Christ today and you leave this place not, not the same but transformed from the inside out? You may have a life full of difficulty and despair. You may not have the nice house and you may not get married and things may not go your way. But when you die and you see the Savior face to face, he won't ask you any questions about what have you done with my son. He will say to you, well done, 
that good and faithful servant enter into thy rest. What if? What if you came to Jesus today? Father God, thank you so much for Jesus Christ. For the life, death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. Lord, because you are a risen Savior, we look forward to you coming back. And for those who have trusted in you for salvation, oh Lord, what a joy that day will be. To be caught up with you in the air to rule and reign for all eternity along your side. But Father, I pray right now for the one who, who thinks they're okay. Who may know of Jesus, but don't know Jesus for themselves. Father, I ask that you would bring conviction and a deep understanding of the game that they're playing. For tomorrow is not guaranteed to anybody. And if they were to die today and stand before you, they would be judged. So, Father, I ask that you would send forth your spirit and you would have mercy on someone. That they would confess their need for you. They would repent and turn towards you by faith. Now, Father, your word has been preached. And you have promised that your word will not return void but that it will accomplish what you have so chosen, whether to convict or to condemn. Lord God, have your way in the rest of our worship service. These things we ask in the name of Jesus the Christ, our risen Savior. Amen.